Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. The biggest moments in my life and in my career all seemed like massive rejection in the moment. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. So you have to give yourself grace in those moments in time. Sometimes we didn't get what we wanted because we were made for something so much more, right? And we don't know at the time. You have to have faith. You have to have this trust and this grace for yourself that, okay, I'm being redirected from this situation for a reason. When I graduated college, I lived with my boyfriend. We had been together for years and I thought I was marrying him, right? That was the end all be all for me. He ends up cheating on me. That moment of rejection ended up being the biggest redirection for me. I went to work crying. My boss said to me, do you want to become my partner? Do you want to board a flight and move from here? I'm going to make you a very wealthy young woman. And I I said, yes, I would have never said yes to move from that man because I thought I was marrying him. He gave me a gift that day. We went and bought a $25 million company. I turned it into a $55 million company in under three years. That put my name on the map as a revenue generator of massive levels. I would have never had that business credibility had he not cheated on me. Complete redirection. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila and say, This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's best-selling author, top 50 keynote speaker in the world, the boss in heels herself, Heather Monahan. Her Monahan method shines light on the steps you need to take to elevate yourself in business and in life. Her new book, Overcome Your Villains, is out now. I want to talk confidence, imposter syndrome, and how women need to stop apologizing and playing it small. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Heather Monahan. So we're talking confidence. And I'm sure that everybody that interviews you starts the same way. Like, obviously, you're confident. You are stunningly gorgeous. You're super successful. Yeah, but, you know, I'll say that's what you see right on the outside, but it isn't always what's going on on the inside, right? So you know, I'm trying to launch two new products right now and I'm not confident at all in either of them. Like every time you start stepping into the unknown, something new, there's a chance of failure. You're a beginner again. You're going to have self-doubt like that is fact, right? And I'm divorced and I'm dating and there's tons of self-doubt around those things, right? So I don't know, things just aren't always what they appear. And I feel like that's not just for me, that's for everybody. And for the people out there that say, oh no, I am confident in everything. You're either not stepping into unknown, you're not challenging yourself, you're not growing, or you're just lying. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And that's what you say, like the people that you see as confident, it's not that they have all this confidence, it's that they're willing to step into the risk, to take the risk, And it it may not be comfortable for them to be up there speaking in front of thousands of people. It's not that they're comfortable doing it. It's that they will take the risk and do it anyway. For me, I gave a TEDx talk at at the end of 2019 
And it was a big deal to me, like one of the biggest talks that I've ever given. And I was so scared, so full of self-doubt, so nervous for that. But the act of showing up and doing it is what builds more confidence in me. And then because I did do it, I, I literally stepped into fear in the red circle and just made myself go out there, even though I was petrified. And anytime I want to build my confidence back up, I just hit play on that talk. And I'm like, oh my God, you're amazing. Like, <laughs> I know how scared you were and look at you go. Like that just gives me more confidence for the next thing I'm going to do. It's your hype video. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Talk about when you were like at the height of your career in radio and then what happened? I had been in the radio business for over 20 years and I had just been named one of the most influential women in radio it was in Q4 of 2017. I was a chief revenue officer. I'd done an incredible job at the company that I had worked for. I had done an incredible job in radio prior to joining that company. I'd been there for 14 years. I had been promoted three times. And all of a sudden the CEO that I worked for became ill and he decided to elevate his daughter to replace him. And she had been essentially my arch nemesis, you know, the person <laughs> that really just disliked me, always tried to set me up, try to stab me in the back. And, you know, I coexisted with her for 14 years. She was the chief financial officer. I was a chief revenue officer. So we were really, I was in operations. She was back at the corporate office counting the money. Right. So we didn't really have to be together that much. However, Anytime you're coexisting with someone, right, there's going to be impact in some way. And she ended up um, getting the CEO spot and she fired me immediately. But you reframed it. <laughs> Most people would be like, oh, it's so shameful. Even though you did nothing to warrant being fired, you decided to reframe the firing and put it out on your LinkedIn. Yeah, well, I had one year prior to getting fired, I had started building a personal brand. And I, I pretty much that's why I got fired in my opinion, right? Because she and the GC had come at me really hard and said, shut this brand down. This is controversial. You're taking away from the company. You know, they, every reason why it was not good for them and why I should shut it down. And I stuck to my guns and said, no, this is about doing good in the world. This is about sharing who I am. Actually, this is good for the company because it's pulling people towards us, attracting talent towards us. And, you know, she was, listen, I was a threat to this lady. So when you're a threat, you're always going to be a target no matter what. So she wouldn't back off, but she didn't have a legal leg to stand on. So it became this quiet war for about one year. Mm. The good news was I, that whole year I was investing in myself, right? I was building this personal brand. I was building a community. And so for anyone listening right now that doesn't have a personal brand, start holding the pen and, and taking control of that brand. Because when you invest in yourself and you build community, you take that with you wherever you go. So for that year, I started investing in myself. And when I got fired, I had a community that was existing because I didn't back off. And I had that one year, it wasn't huge, but you know, there was people there. So when I did put a post up and say, Hey, I've just been fired. If I've ever helped you, I need to hear from you right now that post went viral because I did have a community that supported me, shared it like crazy. And that post landed me on the Elvis Duran show. And didn't you just ask, you're like, get me on air. And, and you did, you ask for what you want. And I feel like women are so me very much included scared to just ask for what we want. Like you don't want to come off as a bitch. You don't want to be too pushy. What was the brand that you were building? Like the personal brand, was it like coaching, life coaching, business coaching? It was just community, right? It was just about sharing that, you know, I grew up poor and I didn't go to Harvard, but I was able to get to the C-suite and here's how I did it. And here's how you can do it too. It was really just about sharing 
you know, the business tips and tricks that I had learned along the way. Cause when I was young, people would say to me, you can't, you know, be the boss. The boss is a, a white man that wears a Navy pen suit and, you know, you don't fit the mold. And, and I remember thinking, well, maybe you tell me I can't do that, but I know in my heart of hearts I can. And so I was really committed to finding a way to get to the top in business. And when I finally did do it, I wanted to expose that everyone, what they tell you when they give you that self-limiting conversation, that's about them, not about you. And here's the hacks to get ahead. And here's the hacks to get into the C-suite. And at the time you're like, you're fired, you're crying, but everything happens for a reason. And do you feel like had she not fired you, like you obviously are doing what you're supposed to do now. You found your purpose in inspiring people and coaching people. Do you think you would have just stayed in radio and not even had this pivot into this career had she not fired you? Like, did that spark a whole different like career path for you? Or do you think you would have left anyway? Listen, if some VCs had come to me and talked about, you know, acquiring another company, I probably would have done that. I wanted to be a CEO of a company that was sort of in my mind, what that next step was, was, you know, to find some equity partners and, and buy my own company and become my own CEO. That's the path I saw ahead for me. But I also feel like God had a bigger plan for me. Maybe if she didn't fire me, something else would have happened that maybe I would have, you know, stumbled upon a book agent and, you know, had a conversation about writing a book. And maybe that would have been a passion project on the side. And maybe that would have, who knows what could have happened or or would have happened. But I do believe when there, you know, God has a bigger plan for you and you're willing to step into that unknown and step into that fear that it will unfold for you exactly how it's supposed to be. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's certainly the last five years have not been easy at all for me, but they're definitely rewarding and worth it. And you mentioned uh, get a literary agent reaching out to you. If anybody thinks that that's what happened with your first book, <laughs> Creating Confidence, you Googled how to write a book. And then you Googled Rachel Hollis's <laughs> literary agent because you're like, she's in the space. She's doing it well. They know what they're doing. Like you just found out how to do it. So anybody that's like, oh, she probably just got this big publishing deal because they know who you are now. You figured it out. You Googled to write your first book. Here's what happened. I landed the spot on the Elvis Duran show. Halfway through that interview, he looked at me and said, well, obviously you're writing a book, Heather. Well, I wasn't writing a book, right? I I had grown up as the social one. My sister was the smart one. So I just never thought you could be the social one and write a book. That wasn't ever in the cards in my mind, right? So, but he spoke a conviction, spoke a truth into me. I jumped on the plane. I accepted his challenge. I said, yes, I am going to write a book. So I held myself accountable in front of all of his listeners, not knowing how I would do it. But I knew if I accepted that challenge, I would find a way to make it happen. So I Googled, how do you write a book? And it basically said, you have to write every day. And I thought, well, I've been fired. I can't go back to <laughs> what I used to do. I'll, I'll write. So I started writing. And then, you know, it didn't take very long for me to have the concept of the book I was writing. And then I thought, okay, invest in yourself. Find an editor. Find someone who's light years ahead of you. I hired an editor. He had written 19 books. As soon as we started working together, we fast-tracked. And I self-published my first book, Confidence Creator, in five months after getting fired and it became a number one bestseller on Amazon. Now cut to um, two years after that, that's when I Googled, you know, I said, you know what, this time I want to get an agent. This time I want to see what it's like to go the traditional route. And I Googled Rachel Hollis, who was the biggest author, female nonfiction author at the time. And I thought, okay, let me find her agent, which I found. And then I started pitching her agent. And then it took, you know, 14 different shots at a book proposal to finally be told yes on the 15th, right? That was not an easy process at all. It took 
a really long time. And then after that, we signed with HarperCollins Leadership. And that was for my second book, Overcome Your Villains. But who would have kept going? Like the fact that you got 14 no's and then <laughs> you kept going and you got a yes. And it's going to be like your second bestseller. And just how many people would have, it's like imposter syndrome creeps in. It's like, as soon as somebody says no, it's like, well, I know I'm not really an author. You exude confidence. And you taught a class at Harvard. <laughs> it, think about like the most imposter syndrome moment when you're standing at Harvard teaching a class, like, but you do it, you lean into it. What is like one tangible step that somebody could take in creating confidence? If they're feeling that imposter syndrome, what's a tangible step that they could take towards being more confident in their life? More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. Yeah. So, you know, use the Harvard example. When I got a DM from a Harvard professor on LinkedIn, I thought I was getting punked, right? Because I couldn't get into the school. So why would they want to speak? It didn't make sense to me. It didn't add up. And so I Googled the guy, saw he was legit and real. And I said, okay, I'm going to reach out and see what he has to say. So I got on a call with him. And this is a simple exercise that anybody can use. Number one, first of all, we put people on pedestals. And when we're putting people on proverbial pedestals, we're putting ourselves beneath others. So the first thing you have to do is think to yourself, is this what I want for my child? Do I want my child to put some people on pedestals and some people not? No, we want to live in a fair and just world where we're all equals, right? So when we know that rationally thinking, we have to lead by example. And if it's not for your child, you know, for the people coming after you, we want everyone to be treated equally. Well, then we need to treat ourselves as their equals. So that was the conversation I had with myself first, right? It's not fair for me to put others on a pedestal because I'm that's just putting me beneath everyone. I've got to show up as an equal to show my child, this is everyone is an equal in this world because that is the world I want to live in. So I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead that way. So that was the first thing that I did that someone can do. The second thing is putting on the rose colored glasses when you look at yourself, not just at others. Meaning so often I'll look at someone that I love and think the world of and tell them what's so beautiful and wonderful about them. They might not do that for themselves, but what they need to do is take those glasses that I'm wearing and see themselves through that lens. So when I had the call, the first call with the Harvard professor, I asked him, I said, why me? I'm really curious as to why you would want me. And he said, number one, you're not a man. Number two, you're not in your 60s. Number three, you're you're a single mother who's led companies. You have C-suite experience. You have real-time social media experience in business. I've been out of the business world and just been teaching for so long that you're going to bring this really relevant conversation that I don't have access to. You're going to give so much value to these people. And so as I heard him saying that, I decided to put those rose colored glasses on while I looked at myself and I thought, he's right. It's actually a disservice for these kids if I don't show up and teach them 
he doesn't know how to explain the business world in you know relevant to the last decade the way that I can. This is what I've been living in. I'm yeah. immersed in it daily. You know, it, it, it's my duty to, to show up for these kids and teach them what I know. That resonates with me that you had the life experience. Um, he's in a classroom. You're out, you know, working in the corporate world. I wrote a book. Um, I, I don't know how much you know about my background, but I struggled for 20 years with bulimia, anorexia, depression, like having no self-worth. And I wrote a book about how I finally got it together at 37 after having two kids. And my whole like premise was to inspire other women. If I could come out of it, you can come out of it. And I did mention my eating disorder past, but it, the focus was here's how I live now with balance. And here's, I just wanted to help women. I'm telling my um, editor, I just want to help women. And she's like, who are you? Like, she's like, are you a trainer? Are you a nutritionist? And I'm like, no. And I just was like, I, I been through it. Like I, I should be telling the story because I was the one throwing up my food. I was the one thinking I will never have another day where I'm not thinking about binging and purging. I hated myself for so long for me to come out of it. I have to tell the story. And she's like, share your story. And that's your credibility because you've had the life experience And the book did well, but because I talked about eating disorders, the eating disorder professional community came for me and we're like, you should not be speaking on uh, eating disorder recovery. You're not a professional. And like what this woman is saying is not in line with how professionals seek recovery. And I was like, oh my God, cause I didn't go to um, treatment. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't be. And for a while I was like, I couldn't take the criticism. Like it was so hard putting myself out there so candidly uh, and sharing everything and just having people say that it wasn't right that I was talking about it. But when they, when that professor was like, you've lived it, that's your resume. Like, I may not have letters next to my name and I still have the noise. It's like, if I give a workout or something, it's like, you're not a trainer, stop giving workouts. But these are the things that I have done to get to a point in my life where I finally found worth and confidence. And it would be a disservice, as you said, for me to not share it with another woman who's still in the stuff. So experience is your resume. And that's like what he saw in you. He can, he has a PhD or whatever the letters are and he's, but he's in a classroom. You've lived it. I mean, to, to that's that's unfortunate. Those people treated you that way. But like, think about it this way. Like Oprah Winfrey didn't have any letters next to her name and she was able to sit down with people who had experienced bulimia, rape, a variety of different situations. And yeah. thank goodness she did because she was able to change the lives of millions of people out there, right? You just have to realize that everyone's coming at things from their own background story and frequency. And that frequency is going to connect with some people and totally disconnect with others. And that's okay. But it is important for everybody to share their story, to share their knowing, to share their information, because it's going to connect and land with somebody that needs it at that point in time. And yeah. it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. And I love that you just took him up on that. Like somebody be like, no, I'm not going to teach a class at Harvard. You say when you get an opportunity, you accept it in the moment. You don't say like, I'll sleep on it. Can you talk about that? You convert. Yeah, no. Because what happens, listen, here's what happens. You know, speed to market's critical. If I'm to say to this guy, you know what, let me sleep on this. I'll get back, you know, to you when I have time. He might find somebody the next day that fits the bill, that accepts the position. He wants to move on. And he says, great, I'll take that person. I call him back two weeks later. He's like, that position's filled. You know, sorry, you snooze, you lose, right? So if you say, oh gosh, this is scary, but I know this is good for me. Choose to see fear as a green light. That means go make the commitment and start moving faster. Done will always be better than perfect. And I'm so grateful, you know, for that opportunity and experience. It was, it was incredible. And it was a growth opportunity for me. I might not do everything perfectly, but I'm growing through all of it. And, and that's what I think we're all meant to be here in this world to do. Just got goosebumps when you said that. Um, 
I think I'm going to do it. Um, go to Australia next month to shoot a reality docu-series that's going to be a reality TV show for good where women are like championing their causes. I have a foundation for teen girls and it's almost like a Ted talk American idol. <laughs> like you, it's the person that can best convey their message. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Australia and leave my kids for a pilot that may not even be picked up, but it's like, it would be great for my foundation. And I, I feel like I will be, I will regret it if it gets picked up and I didn't do it. And it's like, if I sit on it any longer, what if she, the creator is like, I have somebody else that actually said yes. So I feel like you're supposed to tell me that <laughs> and I'm going to go to Australia. Close um, the deal. Cause not only is it good for you, it's good for your kids too. Right. Cause you're showing, listen, I don't, I'm stepping into fear. I'm stepping into unknown, but this is who I want you to grow up and be too. I want you to be the person that goes for it. That isn't the person on their deathbed saying I had a book inside me, but I never wrote it. Cause I couldn't get it perfect. I had a talk inside me, but I couldn't board the plane to Australia because it was way too scary. I want to be the person that wrote the book that boarded the plane and did it messy and feel so flipping proud of just doing it. And I, I, my mind goes to the opposite. I'm like, I'm going to leave my kids. Are they going to think that like mommy's going to another continent for three weeks and like choosing this rando opportunity over them? I'm always thinking that they're looking at me, they're four and six, like mommy's choosing work. And I have so much guilt about building this brand when I know I talked to Katie Kirk about this and she made that face. She's like, Oh my God, get over it. And I was like, how did you anchor the today show with two young girls? And she's like, I showed them that mommy has something that she's passionate about. And don't you want your daughter to have something that she's passionate about when she grows up? But I, I don't think they understand that now they can't conceptualize that I'm doing something that it's not being a mom to them. I still have the mom guilt. I can't get over they would be taking an opportunity for me and not being with my kids and like that it's selfish. I, I wish this was video. <laughs> Everyone oh can see the my gosh. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't disagree with you more. You know, here's a good example. I was, when I was in corporate America, I traveled every single week for business. And one week I had to be away on a weekend for an event that we had, uh, who knows, I don't even know what state it was in. And so I had babysitters watching my child and my child had a soccer game. And he was injured in the game. And so, you know, I, I got the call. Your your kid is hurt and needs to go to the hospital, you know, so on and so forth. Well, it turns out, you know, of course he lived through it. And when I got home, it was this great experience because he, there was another mother there that knew him and sat with him and held him and cared for him. And when he got home, of course he was happy to see his mother and that I was back, but he explained to me how kind this woman was and in a way that it made him realize there's multiple people in my life I can depend on. It isn't just one person. And for him to start building community as a child to support and champion him was such an incredible moment, not only for him, but for me too, because for me, I remember I kind of grew up isolated and afraid and didn't have a great upbringing. So I didn't know there was like this community of great people that could support me and encourage me. I didn't learn that till I was an adult. My child was learning that in elementary school. So it's a gift that you're going to give your kids that you don't even realize you're giving them yet. Thank you. <laughs> I needed that. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, 
those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Now back to Squats and Margaritas. I want to talk about perfectionism. When you said your sister was the smart one and you were the social one, were you middle child or second born? Second. I could, I could tell from that because that's my sister. I was the firstborn perfectionist, prom queen, homecoming queen, 4.2 GPA. Everybody thought everything was perfect. And with that comes a reputation to uphold. So I had to be all those things. Um, I put everything into soccer. I played division one soccer in college and abruptly quit my college soccer career in the middle of my sophomore year. Cause I wasn't playing. And after I lost that identity, everything went to shit for like 10 to 12 years. That's when I, I was depressed. I was bulimic because I wasn't this person. I guess that I wasn't high school anymore. I didn't have that identity as an athlete. And I it was like, what else is left? And that kind of perfectionism and you put everything towards something and you lose it. It could be a detriment. Like people were like, Oh, Aaron's so driven, but like my drive to be perfect. And in my younger days, thin, which was like the goal drove me to an eating disorder and a years of struggling. So like being perfect, which sounds like a thing that people would strive for can actually be a huge deterrent. And you say that perfectionism is the number one, like derailer of being confident. Well, I mean, to me, perfectionism doesn't exist. There's no such thing as perfect. Okay. Right. No one's got that. And then also I would challenge everyone right now. Think of that one person, you know, in your life that tries to be perfect. For me, that was that old, that woman that fired me. She would always try to act flawless. What she did was she drove people away from her. Right. Yeah. And what I noticed was the more flawed I can show up and crazy me, and this is who I am flaws and all the more I attract people towards me, like a magnet, the yeah. more that woman tried to show up as the skinniest, you know, tightest dress, perfect haircut version of her, the more people might've acted nice to her in, in, in person, but always talk trash about her from afar because trying to appear perfect doesn't bring people closer to you. It pushes them away from you. So perfectionism is the ultimate cover and veil for fear, right? So that has nothing to do. It's the antithesis of confidence. It's fake. And the more yes. you own that, hey, I've got smelly feet and yeah, I've got terrible roots and, and gray's coming through. I got to go get them colored today because I am hanging on to my dear life trying to, you know, look like I'm still in my 40s. Like the more you show up as that person versus the one saying, I woke up like this, right? Like <laughs> people, people are never going to trust you, want to do business with you if they know you're just this fake, you know, filter version of yourself. That's that's not how you connect with people in, in this world and, and that it's not real. That's what I found too at 40. Like I was trying to construct this perfect Instagram grid. Like I would see all the other ones, like the women that had a million followers, which I would strive to be one day had a perfect page. And then I would be like, I would second guess putting something up. Cause I'm like, why would somebody want to follow what I'm saying? Or if I'm like a hot mess, but 
I couldn't grow. Like I had no, I mean, I had like a thousand followers and now I just do like lip sync reels and like funny things that just are not perfect. That's when I grew. And I was like, so worried about us like appearing not perfect. Like why would anybody want to follow me? And it's because they relate to it. And it's like, I will say things that I know people are thinking and aren't saying out loud because I finally am confident enough to do that and to go on Instagram without makeup. And for so long, I didn't have that. And I want my platform to be like, you can find self-worth and a positive body image at any age. I'm 40. I, my twenties and thirties, I didn't have half the confidence that I have now. And if I can come out of it, you can come out of it. And I just share everything in my life. And it makes people kind of converge or, or DM me and be like, just thank you for sharing that. Thank you for saying it out loud. And I'm like, okay, people don't want to see perfect, but the perfect people do have a million followers. I don't know. They have a different formula. And I do look at that. I still like compare and I don't, or I work so hard on something like a reel or a blog post and it just dies. And I'm, if somebody puts out something is like happy Monday. And it's like, viral. And I'm like, I quit Instagram and this is bullshit. Like I still have that. Your, your <laughs> facial expressions are not going to convey in the podcast. No. Okay, no. So no, I never been like that. So first of all, here's what I would say. You number one, so many people out there are buying fake likes, buying fake comments, buying fake followers. Don't compare yourself to anybody. You have no idea what BS is going. I, I get pitched every single day in my DMs. So would you like to buy fake followers? Would you like to buy? And Same. I have friends that are doing it. People are buying the whole thing is a scam. It's none of it is real. Okay. Your so bots. that's number one. So like don't decide to judge yourself against something that could be completely fake and not it doesn't make why do that why torture yourself it's not true right so don't yeah. do that then number two the other thing is and i've learned this starting over from ground zero you as a beginner in your chapter one you can't judge yourself against oprah winfrey who's in chapter 35 right like you, yeah. why would you do that we started at different times in our career different things have happened you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow for her or for you right like you inevitably give your energy and your power away to other people these people that you're and, and i did this initially with the woman that fired me i was like you know googling her and i wanted to see the stock price and then one day i learned wait a minute the more attention and focus I put on her, I'm giving my energy, my gift, my gift that God has given me. I'm giving to her and I'm depleting myself. Wait a minute. That's not a good strategy. Let's reboot here. I'm going to stop Googling her. I'm going to stop focusing on her stock price and I'm start focusing on mine. And as soon as I did that, guess what? My stock price starts elevating, right? My success starts elevating. So the more you surround yourself with great people that encourage you, the more you surround yourself with talking nicely and kindly to yourself and giving your power and energy to what you want to focus on, the better you're going to do. I appreciate that. I think as you were talking through it, I, it's credibility. And for me right now, my show is my favorite thing. It's everything that I put everything into. And I want more of a following. So it's more credible when I pitch some uh, Heather Monahan. and you look at my page and it's like, why would I, you didn't <laughs> like, why would I waste my time with this? Like I can't grow so that I can show that it's like, or people are like, how many downloads a month? And I'm like, let's just don't, eh, don't worry about it. You're that. having the wrong conversation. Okay. This is a sales problem that you're having. And luckily I was in sales my entire career. <laughs> okay. So when you're allowing the conversation to go there, I would liken that to when I was in radio saying someone's having a price conversation. They're making yes. it all about price. Yes. No, that's what you're doing. Okay. You need to talk about. So here's what I would encourage you to do. 
anytime you're trying to sell somebody else, put yourself in their shoes first. Right. So I'm, I'm making this up. I, you know, let's use Sarah Blakely is one of your targets that you want to get on the show. She's the hardest get in the world, right? She's the biggest female entrepreneur out there. Put yourself in her shoes. What do we know about her? She has children. She's about certain causes. She's aligned with certain charities. She's all about her red backpack challenge. She's all about giving back and gifting money to support other female uh, led companies, right? Like I go through the entire list. I, when I dive into selling someone, I want to know everything. I want like any bit of information you can get on them. Cause the more we know what matters to them, the better shot we have at getting what we want. Right. Okay. So we want to serve her. So I'm making it up, but you come up with some great promotional idea on how to serve the red backpack challenge, how to support her initiative, how to get her message out there, wh whatever it is, make it all about her, you adding value to her. And then once you engage in the conversation, she's not saying to you, how many downloads did you have at last month? Because right. she's looking at through the lens of the work you're doing to champion her work, to encourage her. So when you make it about the other person, you take the conversation away from the price or the downloads or the whatever, yes. and you making it about them and, and championing them and what's special about them and how you're going to help them. I could write something like that, but it's like, I just think, how do I, it's the gatekeeper. Well, I have them now, but it's like, how do I, she'll never see a DM. Like Kelly Ripa, I'm manifesting that. That's close. That's about to be booked. But she saw me. And when once I can get in the DMs and you know what, like it moves over to like ones you actually see, not like randoms. It's like primary general. So as soon as somebody texted me and was like, Kelly Ripa shared your story on her story. And in my mind, I'm like, she sees me. So now if I DM, I can see if it says seen. And she not only did it say seen, she's like getting on a plane what, like, give me the details. I'm going to discuss it with my team. And I like ran down there. I was like, Marcus ran down to my husband. I was like, I got her, but I like, I must've tagged her a hundred times. And Sarah is like the same thing until I can get, it doesn't matter what I want to say. She's not going to see it. Well, here's another hack to help you with that. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. So what you do is you can turn a bell on for someone's post. So whenever they post, you get alerted, right? So turn that alert on for her. You'll get a ping. Sarah Blakely has just posted. The minute she's posted, <laughs> you jump on and put on the comments, support the heck out of her, share her stuff, right? Like all show that you are a value add to her life and to her community. Amazing comments. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for supporting women. Shared, 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 right? Show that I'm adding value to you. I'm a champion for you. And then you know, a month into showing that you're a true community member that's helping and supporting other people on her thread, that's helping and supporting her content, then you get a ping. Sarah Blakely just posted and you go right to it. And you said, Sarah, just shot you a DM would mean the world to me if you could respond to it. Yeah. And then by then you, you've created a little credibility as a community member, which is what she really cares about. Right. And then you've asked her, can you just read it? She goes to it, reads it. And if you put something nice in there, that's like, Hey, I want to help further your, your red backpack challenge. Would you consider giving me 30 minutes of your time? Any date that works for you, it would mean the world to me and my community. I'll continue supporting you either way. She's going to respond. That's such a great tip that thank What a tangible thing that I, the bell, because I'm like, by the time she posts and I'm like, well, ah, 37 minutes ago, she's never going to see it, but I could be the first. Yes. I love that. I don't want to be too much. Like, I don't want to like her assistant be like, God damn, like squats and margaritas. Again, we get it. Like, I don't, where is like, I want to stay top of mind. I don't want them to forget about me, but I don't want to like drive them away and be too I think women are always worried about looking too pushy and too confident. And so you play it a little bit small, you kind of sit back, but am I like missing out on an opportunity by not literally commenting first on every single post? 
So she sees me because I feel like that's like overkill and pushy. And I don't want to be that. It's such a like fine line. Just always think about adding value to others. Yeah, if you I like come that. at it through that lens, how can you be doing anything bad, right? I'm not suggesting that you say, hey, you must be on my show, greatest <laughs> show ever, because that takes us back to the price conversation and the download conversation, yes. right? That's not, the, that's not the way we want to go. But if we're highlighting her work, we're a champion for her and her community. We're trying to help others in her feed. Like there's, who doesn't want that? Yeah, I just guess I thought she wouldn't see it. But that's how, like, yeah, she'll eventually, if I, I just need to put in more, I should leave Jesse alone and actually really go. Cause I'm like, Sarah will never see me. So this is like me. It's a strategy. That's it. Katie. She was doing a live and she kept saying, Adriana, Adriana. And I'm like, so I go to her Instagram. She follows one Adriana go to her. She's a New York city, like 25. I was like, it's her publicist. It's her assistant. So I went to her. Cause I was like, she only has three in her followers. She's going to see it. And I try to do so many like innovative ways that I've gotten to people like all you know, those like speakers, bureaus or whatever you have to pay to see who their agent is. But it's ridiculous because all they do is uh, X out their last name. So like Molly Sims, I want to book Molly Sims. Man, I'm manifesting that. Molly Sims agent. It'll be like Leslie and it's crossed out. Go to her Instagram. Is she followed Leslie? And, and you get them and you find them. Like there's ways I'm putting in the time <laughs> to like get to these people. And so it's just like, it almost makes it that much better when one hits, like when you get a Katie Kirk, when you get a Gabby Bernstein, like those episodes mean so much to me because of what I put in to get them. But I cannot like, I, I, I haven't gotten anybody by doing exactly what you just said, like providing the value. Gabby said that my shoes were sick and I was like, oh, uh, I, I took it as like an opening to like chatter up. And then I was like, I would love to have you on my show. Like I shot my shot. She said, yes. But it's like, who thinks that they could go up to Gabby Bernstein and be like, would you do my show? But I asked her and she said, yes. And so now when I book a Heather Monahan or somebody else that's in that realm, I can say, here's a recent episode with Gabby Bernstein. Or if I want to get Kelly, here's a recent episode with Katie Couric. So I have like a name in every genre. <laughs> so I just strategically pitch with that name. It's worked sometimes, but <laughs> I like the value. I just hope that she sees it. So the bell is going to be happening. Rejection is just redirection. Can you speak on that for a second? Because I get so like, if somebody says no to me, I, I take it very personally, but you say it's just a redirection. Oh yeah. I mean, the biggest moments in my life and in my career all seemed like massive rejection in the moment. Here's what's important for people to know. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. So you have to give yourself grace in those moments in time, you know, sometimes we didn't get what we wanted because we were made for something so much more, right? And we don't know at the time, you have to have faith. You have to have this trust and this grace for yourself that, okay, I'm being redirected from this situation for a reason. So there's a couple of instances. When I graduated college, I lived with my boyfriend. We had been together for years and I thought I was marrying him, right? That was the end all be all for me. He ends up cheating on me. That moment of rejection ended up being the biggest redirection for me. I went to work crying. My boss said to me, do you want to become my partner? Do you want to board a flight and move from here? I'm going to make you a very wealthy young woman. And I, I said, yes, I would have never said yes to move from that man because I thought I was marrying him. He gave me a gift that day. We went and bought a $25 million company. I turned it into a $55 million company in under three years. That put my name on the map as a revenue generator of massive levels. I would have never had that business credibility had he not cheated on me. 
complete redirection. Then to go from that situation, the company that purchased us put a non-compete, non-solicit on my partner so that we couldn't work together. They were trying to force me to stay at the company that I had built. I had no interest in staying there. I remember that day saying like, this is complete rejection. I can't work with my partner anymore. What will I ever do? That landed me at the company that I worked for for 14 years, that I made it into the C-suite. You know, I had this tremendous run and received all this recognition and, and built this great business for myself. That would have never happened had I not parted with my old partner, right? So that was an ultimate redirection that seemed like a rejection. Then yeah. of course, you know, getting fired five years ago, that was another ultimate rejection, which turned into this beautiful redirection if you allow it to unfold and let it be. So almost like welcome the rejection and just look at what it's there to show. Well, just know that it, it could be guiding you to something, <laughs> something. so much bigger. Like this, yeah. you were meant for so much more than this. You don't know what that looks like yet, but you're going to trust this process. Keep stepping into the unknown step, into the fear. Take the step when you don't see it and know that this path that you're now on is taking you to something much bigger and better. During COVID, I had a two and a four-year-old and I was just, I just wrote my book, but I didn't have anything else going on. I was kind of, I did, had a book launch. I was on like local DC TV talking about my book. Then the world shuts down. And I just very authentically and organically one night went on Instagram live and was like, what in the hell are we supposed to do with our kids? My son's like potty training. There's no playgrounds. There's no schools open. Like what the hell? And women would like put in the comments, scavenger hunt, like go find a pine cone, go find a stop sign. I was like, this is good. So I was like every Thursday, pour a cocktail. And I made a show on Instagram. <laughs> and then I was like, I asked one of the real housewives, I was like, will you just go live with me? So we go live and we talk about what we're doing with our kids. I asked uh, Tiffany Jenkins, one of the biggest mom bloggers. She was like, yes. So I'm just doing this to like fill the time, entertain the moms and like we can have cocktails together. And unbeknownst to me, had I not gone live, a program director in DC was watching me every week and called me after one of my shows and said, we want this to be a show on podcast one. We will produce it for you. And I was like, I wanted to sleep on it. I was just like, I, what will it be about? And they're like, you do exactly what you're doing. Talk to moms, have these conversations. We'll produce it and do everything else. I said, yes. And I've had this for three years that I never would have auditioned for it. If there were like podcast one is looking for a host that wouldn't have even like been on my radar, but I was just at putting myself out there and it, what was for me came to me. And I just feel like for so long, I, I wasn't like looking for the signs. It's like the universe is working for you. Just do what you're called to do or you're moved to do. And what is for you will find you. Absolutely. Uh, I want to ask a really quick selfish question. Um, I am crafting a Ted talk to the woman working out and not seeing results for 20 years. I restricted my calories. I did cardio seven days a week and I was 20 pounds heavier. So now I live my life with balance. Nothing is off limits, makes it less tempting. Um, you can have what you want, eat in moderation, work out four days a week, stop the obsession. And I found my best body. So I want to talk to the woman that is slaving away, barely eating on the cardio machine. And I pitched it a few places. Every time I've given this talk for the first like minute while I'm out there, I am physically shaking like my whole body I don't know if you can tell, like I'm fine after the first minute, but like, I just have come to know that the first minute of my talk, I'm going to be like physically shaking. And I just get, it's almost like I get a rush and I'm like excited, but then that comes over me. Do you have any tips about how to confidently start a speech? Like I'm good once I start a couple minutes into it, but I just, as soon as I'm out there, my body is like physically <laughs> reacting and I can't calm down. 
You yeah, there's do. a couple of things that you can do. N number one, for anyone listening that has problems with public speaking, see a hypnotist. It's the most powerful, fastest change that you can make. What it does, it, it allows you to disassociate your subconscious is holding on to this pre-programming that it's telling you, once I'm out there, I'm going to start panicking. So you need to you need to disassociate that. So what a hypnotist has you do, I did this for childhood trauma, not for speaking. And what it has you do is view this situation. So in your case, you'd be viewing yourself panicking on the stage. But when you view it from afar, like it's you're watching it on a TV and you can rewind it, you can put it in black and white, you can start, you know, tinkering. You remove it from your subconscious and make it outside of you. So the next time you get to speak, you don't you don't have that experience anymore. It's incredible. It worked. I, I've sent so many people to hypnotists. It works, right? Thank so you. that's one that's one great way to, to handle it. The other thing that I would recommend doing, and this happened for me randomly, a good friend of mine, Lou Parker, who um, hosts KTLA TV um, in Los Angeles, she's an incredible person. She called me one day and said, I want to do a virtual event about kindness. And I have all these speakers. Can you speak? And I said, yeah, but I, I'm in person doing a live event in Orlando that day, switch my time. And I'm going to speak like right before I go on to do my speech. And she said, okay, great, let's do it. They had put another woman and the woman's name is Heather. And she's actually on my podcast, Creating Confidence. If you want to go listen to the episode, it's so good. Yeah. She teaches about the power of tapping. And so she ends up taking me through a tapping exercise, which is EFT. It's all yeah. about emotional freedom, right? Yeah, he talks she, about tapping. <laughs> it, it's, it's incredible, right? It's just yet again, another tool to have in your tool belt. Yeah. I, I never thought about using tapping before speaking because I don't get nervous when I speak, right? But it was so interesting that day, just by chance, because my friend was doing this event and I happened to be paired with this woman, Heather, I go through this tapping exercise with her live on this virtual stage. I finish and the script that was so good that she used that day, I just loved it. And I hung up, I went down to give a talk. I got a standing ovation that lasted like 10 <laughs> minutes that day. And I truly believe the difference for me, like I was such a more powerful, vibrant speaker I really credit it to doing that tapping with that script that she provided. It shifted something inside of me and it was incredibly helpful. You are incredibly helpful. All the tangible steps that you've given me just to be able to like come out in the calm that I feel a couple minutes in, if I could just come out that way and I don't even can. know if anybody else. Yes, exactly. You gave me two tangible steps. This has been more than I could have ever asked for. I so appreciate your time. What is coming up for you? Well, I'm always promoting both my books, Confidence Creator, Overcome Your Villains. My podcast right now is top 20 on the business podcast charts. I'm yes. super proud of that. I'm so excited to finally break through the top 50. It's called Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. And I've, I'm always giving speaking engagements everywhere. Super grateful for everyone that buys tickets and shows. It means the world to me. Well, I will manifest that I hope to speak on a stage with you one day. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Heather. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.